Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter, and welcome to Spinning Plates, the podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years, so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing, but can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. Yo! See, I don't always want to start with hello. So last week it was good day, this time it's yo. How did that work? It wasn't very good, was it? <laughs> Don't worry, I'll go back to hello next week. Anyway, yo spinning plates does. Oh God, this is terrible. I sound like someone who's trying to be young and down with the kids. That's not even my normal stance. I know I'm not cool. I'm not the Fonz. Um, how are you? I hope everything is okay. Uh, I have a lovely guest this week, actually, someone I thought of right at the beginning to speak to for Spinning Plates. She's someone I've known for a little while. Her name is Julie Dean, and she set up a company called the Cambridge Satchel Company. Um, She's built up this company all by herself, starting off with making her satchels, her beautiful satchels, in the kitchen of her own home. Um, And now it is a multi-million pound international company. But actually, that for me is not the most exciting bit of her story. Sure, it's exciting. But the most exciting bit for me is that she set it up in response to needing to find some cash for her kids' school fees. So her children are now, I think they are now uh, 14 and 18, I think. Julie will help me clarify this in the early bits of our chat. Um, But when they were about, uh, let's say, 8 and 12, she really needed to find money for school fees and so sat down with a bit of paper and a spreadsheet at the end of the, uh, the final bit of summer term and worked out all her best ideas for getting enough money to pay the school fees at the beginning of the autumn term. So I think she had something like, you know, two and a half months to find this money. Um, 
So, you know, what an amazing thing that is, to have that drive. But also how incredible that out of the idea just to start school fees, she didn't stop there and think, no, no, there's more I can do. There's more ways to build this company, more ways to expand. Um, I think that's pretty exciting. So I'm looking forward to hearing her story. Um, and she's someone that I first met because I, I love the satchels, actually. I'm a big fan of them. I found them when I was looking for a satchel and a friend of mine called Peter said, oh, I've just discovered this new company called Cambridge Satchel. Have a look. And he sent me a link to the website. And I thought, oh, they're really gorgeous. Um, and I've bought them for my sisters and my kids. They all have their own little monogram satchels. They're very classic leather, British-made, um, little tra- sort of traditional school satchels. And she now does other things too. But it's the satchel that is kind of the the sort of keystone of what the company is about. Uh, and they're gorgeous. And so is Julie. So I went to talk to her at the British um, Library, uh, one of the quietest spots we did a, a podcast recording. Um, and uh, she was very generous with her time. And I think also will probably inspire a few of you if you've got... Um, so of any entrepreneurial leanings, she's your woman. She's got your back and she's hoping you succeed. So have a listen and uh, you know what I'm going to do. I mean, I might start with a yo rather than a hello, but I'm still going to finish with a bit of tea making because it's my favourite drink of the whole day. So I'm off to go and put the kettle on and I'll see you on the other side. Enjoy. Thank you for coming to find me again. See you in a bit. had the idea to um to do this podcast about um being a working mother you were possibly the first name I wrote down actually Julie because um for a long time now I've been so annoyed you know I'm a big fan of your company anyway the Cambridge Satchel yeah, Company and you. I think I like to think I had one of the original satchels I don't you know did. Hey! Yeah, you did <laughs> um and I was trying to think how long ago that was now and I'm thinking was it 12 13 years it's 12 years it's 12, it's 12 years, years. Okay. Cool. and it was um literally from the um, very unimpressive website that I coded myself. Ah, did you? And so how you managed to process that payment is a complete Very easily. Mystery. Oh, don't worry. If I want to buy something, I'm dogged. Yeah, don't worry. It's going to happen. Yeah, you're going to carry on. You're going to carry on. Yes. And I remember it so vividly because um, we didn't have that many orders every day and anyone starting their own business starts out that way and it's like got an order and you set up a notification on your phone so it pings when you get an order <laughs> and and so it, it pinged and we would had two orders that day so I was already feeling like a winner and, <laughs> and we were watching um, Emily and Max had one of these slightly you know when your children are six and eight and you, you take them to do like a tennis lesson after school or something yeah yeah and you're sitting there and you're trying to look like you're really engaged but you're you're sort of thinking oof this isn't, you know... Yeah, I did that at my swimming lesson yeah. yesterday. So you did, that's right. <laughs> and, it, and I just remember it so well. We were sitting, it was me and my mum, and I heard a ping, and I looked at my phone, and it said, S. Ellis Baxter. And, and I looked at it, and I thought, oh, this is so exciting. And <laughs> dashed off, dashed off, and phoned the number on the order, and I said, you know, are you the Sophie Ellis Baxter? And I was so impressed, because you said, I'm Sophie Ellis Baxter, the singer. And, and sort of like, one. as opposed to Sophie Ellis Baxter, the home decorator or painter or I'm the always, baker. You know what, I'm always open-minded to the fact there might be another Ellis Baxter out there. I've never <laughs> met one, as far as I'm aware, the yeah, only one. But that but. really impressed me. That really, really impressed me. Um, so, but you, you were yeah, one of the first. Ah, yay. Well, I have heard, actually, that when there's a new business... Um, 
you know, set up by an entrepreneur such as yourself that every time someone makes a purchase, you know, someone out there does a little happy dance of, yay, another order. So I'm glad I was responsible for a little bit of a boogie that day. Um, And so that was really around the beginning. The reason, as I say, I wanted to speak to you is because I... I really um, am so excited and motivated when I hear stories about women like you who see, uh, have a, a desire for something, see an opportunity and just think, I'm just going to go and do that. Because I think probably, possibly, the logic of you um, starting the Cambridge Satchel Company from needing to find a satchel and not being able to find one, that might seem like something, well, anyone could have had that thought and then started a business. But actually... I think you're so so in the minority when it comes to actually the practicalities of getting started. And now we sit here today and we're in uh, the British Library where you tell me you're is it entrepreneur in residence. Is that, I am. Which is an awesome title. I feel I like I should have a flag. Yeah, a flag yeah. and a badge or something, yeah, yeah. ribbons yeah. on it, I don't yeah. know. Um, and the reason you now are entrepreneur in residence is because you can now speak to other entrepreneurs about starting their own business as Cambridge Satchel is so very, very successful. And... I mean, I often think of it as um, the only way I can describe it is is it's like my third child. Mm. And, and that makes it very different to the way that CEOs, if they're just brought in and it's a job and then they go to another company and it's a job and then they go to another company, they'll never quite have that connection that you do. Um, and, and Cambridge Central was set up so that my kids could go to a brilliant school, you know, because I'm such a believer in the the best, best thing you can do, the best gift you can give your children is a good education because then they can just go and, and take on the world, you know, because mm-hmm. they'll, they'll just... And, and have the confidence to go anywhere and do anything. Um, and I think that it was really important in, in the whole journey of Cambridge Sexual that... Uh, to keep in mind why you start your business, mm. you know, because whatever happened, and it made me very brave, whatever happened with Cambridge Satchel along the way, after I'd paid those school fees, I would feel like a winner because that box was ticked, you know, that's yeah. why it was set up. It was set up to do that. And, you know, my mum and I, we did that, you know, and that's yeah. just such a huge sense of pride. Whereas I think that if you're setting it up with some goal post that keeps moving. Yes. You're never going to feel like you've achieved something. Right. And I think that the really important thing is to, is that people just think why they're doing it because it might be they want to make enough money for a nice holiday every year, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and they want to do it as um, a lifestyle business. Mm. That, that doesn't make it any less valid than... Uh, a business that ends up being big. You know, yeah. it, it, I think that's the really important thing. You can have a small business that is just a beautiful business and it yeah. fits in with the way your life works. It, it doesn't have to be you, you get up at five and you do yoga and you read every single magazine yeah. and then you, you get into work and make yourself miserable and you never see your children and yeah. you, you, it doesn't have to be that way and I think that that's why in many ways having your own business works so brilliantly for women with children particularly. Well, yeah. So when it was when they were six and eight roughly six and eight. she set up the business. Yeah. Yeah, and I know you're talking a lot about that, you know, that important connection with your own business, but 
it must be intrinsic to it also what the product is because it surely it must be possible to love the idea of running a business but but fall out of in and out of love with the thing you're actually doing or does it not really quite work like that I don't know I think that I I knew that I had to make school fees (laughs) you know this is really really clear target and a Mm. clear target helps right I see that Sometimes speaking to people in startups here when they come through the uh, business and IP centre, sometimes they'll say, well, I have this idea, but I need to read a few more business books. Or I have this idea and I can't quite decide what to call the company yet. And, And sometimes if you have enough constraints, so my constraints were I needed to make enough for two sets of school fees, and those school fees were 12000 per child, and there's two children, and that's after tax. Yeah, wow. I had a start-up fund of £600. I know I'm not comfortable with debt or borrowing, mm-hmm. um, and I had the school summer holidays. So, wow. <laughs> so when you've got really, really clear constraints, it, it sort of... Um, makes it so that you can't sit around and think, oh, I'll read another book. So for you, that that gave you real... Because for some people, because you call it constraints, for some people that's just an immense pressure, which maybe finds it a a very difficult place for creativity. It kind of can actually kind of go like, (gasps) make you feel like I just actually don't know the way to do that. And no, and afterwards, you know, because I worked a lot with Google and was on the Google Chrome advert and all that kind of exciting stuff later, later on. But speaking to people at Google, they said, oh, at, at Google, the, the set of constraints you had do actually qualify as a moonshot. You know, Google would have called it What's a moonshot. What's a moonshot? Uh, a moonshot is when you set Literally, out to do something, something that's un- virtually, probably virtually yeah. impossible. Okay. And so I was quite glad that it wasn't, I didn't know it was You've a moonshot. You've got to do a bag called the moonshot bag, by the way. The moonshot yeah, bag. Yeah. This is the, the one to do. <laughs> but I think that in those early days, um, it, it, was, it was a very logical thing. This is the amount of money that I need to make. This is how much... I have, this is how long I have. I'm going to make a list of 10 ideas. Okay, I was going to say to you, how, where did you spring? Excel spreadsheet, it's always the place to start. Yeah. 10 ideas of things to make school fees. Did you try more than one of them? No, I, no I'm, I'm quite binary, really. I'm sort of, I'm just, it is literally a, a naught or, or one. Um, and so I made the list on the spreadsheet and then I had the columns, you know, will it... Does it need more than £600 up front? Mm-hmm. Um, what would happen if I was run over by a bus or had a heart attack because I worked too hard? Um, well, that was does a column. The, there was a column about that? Yes. Oh, okay. okay. Um, and, th- and then there was, there was one then that, that sort of said, does the cash flow work? Would the cash come in a way that would meet school fee bills? Right. And, and so there were, you know, a few columns. Yeah. And then each of the 10 ideas was given a number out of 10 for each of the columns. And then it was literally the one with the biggest number Okay, was what I was going to do. Can you remember some of the other 10 ideas? I'd, I can, but I've been offered a really good book deal <laughs> in the future. And that is like the plan B. That's if, if, you know, everything goes pear-shaped and we're all like eaten alive by locusts or viruses yeah. or something awful, God forbid. So, that's um, in that column, the one with the bus running uh, over and all that. Yeah, that's the locust. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. And so it was, that's the idea that had the most points. So that's mm. what I'm doing. And... Um, I look back on sort of my my notebook and it was once I've picked what I'm doing, 
the amount of time I allocated for each job was mm. tiny. You know, now that now, you know. now that I know what startups are yeah. like, and I've met so many people who've started up, and mm. met so many people in the whole venture capital, private equity world, and and the corporate world, and so. The one thing I would say is, at the time, it seemed perfectly reasonable. Mm. It's just like, think of a business name, 20 minutes, you know, <laughs> because you can have a cup of tea, 20 minutes break. It's the business name, talk to my mum, what about mm. this, what about that? It's not going to take more than 20 minutes. Uh, logo, maybe use the rest of the hour for that. But, mm. you know, there could be some leeway in there. And there, there were all these things that seemed completely reasonable and logical. And now that I've seen how much people spend on some of these things yeah. and these agencies. And, yes, I bet, yes. And the number of... So the logo was... Well, the, the, the name was quite funny. I remember talking to my mum and, and um, I said, I sort of feel like no need to overthink this. You know, where. We're in Cambridge and we sell satchels. Cambridge Satchel Company, what do you think? Yes, okay. I'm thinking, oh, what do I do with the rest of my Yeah, I've got 19 minutes. minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 19 minutes 40 left. <laughs> I'm really winning on this. And then um, the logo, uh, I, I, I thought, I need something because everybody knows a logo, you have some words and you have like a little drawing. Hmm. Um, so the word should be the Cambridge Satchel Company and the drawing should be something to do with Cambridge. And um, so I thought punting, punting is to do with Cambridge. So I drew a little man with punt pole and I looked at it and I thought, no, this looks really dodgy. It looks like, <laughs> like at best uh, a man with like a snooker cube. But, yeah, yeah. You know, at worst, like a pole dancer. This is really oh, bad. Yeah, yeah. This is bad. So I thought, no, take a step back. Uh, what else, Cambridge? Bikes, you know, yeah. it's a nightmare to drive there. Bikes, let's do like a little bike, uh, and uh, and then went on to Word, and and got a sort of copyright free clip art thing of yeah. a bike, and then wrote the Cambridge Satchel Company above it, and I thought, what font should it be in? And I remembered, um, at some stage, somebody when I was in college saying use Garamond or Constantia because all of the numbers are clear. And oh. I thought, it's a good thing. So I'll use one of those. Chose the one I looked, liked most. Um, and then it looked actually a bit rubbish because it was just, you know, the, the, the name. And I sort of <laughs> centred the spike yeah. under it. It really didn't look like anything. Mm -hmm. um, and I wasn't, I wasn't clever enough at it to do like overlaps or underlays or any of this kind of thing. So I thought, well, but then under edit, there's this thing that says word art. Mm -hmm. And if you go there and click on it, you can bend it. Right. Yep. So it's like bent it, Cambridge Central Company logo right there. And you look at it and you think, yes, because the bike, as my mother said, the bike can't go forward or backwards. It's safe there. Oh, yeah, it's, she's right, <laughs> you know, actually. So you're not going to lose the bike. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we just thought, yeah, that's fine. We've got a logo, we've got a name. And I think since then, the number of times, it'll happen at least once, sometimes twice a year, I'll be at a big event in London and there will be some 
branding agency presenting at some some business thing and they will say something like um oh and we were these are the logos we were involved in and at least once or twice a year our logo will be on there ah and i'll just think no no you were <laughs> hand up yeah <laughs> i don't think you were i'd remember because it was just me and my mum in the kitchen <laughs> yeah <laughs> you definitely weren't there no um but that's i suppose when you know you've you've done something that's good and it does make me laugh because some of these agencies, they cost an absolute fortune. Yes, yes. And if they're taking credit for my bended sort of word art yeah. logo, then it must be good. So I'm keeping it. Well, I do wonder as well if there's a correlation between the people that tend to pay those agencies to do that big, big dosh stuff and the ones that actually end up being, being successful. Because part of... Um, making this all work is about it, it, it being something that you wake up in the morning and you're feeling motivated and connected. Yeah. yeah. I that must be such a key part of it. And if you've been the one who's had the inception of everything, you sort of so much of the groundwork's already there. Yeah. Whereas if it's through another company, yeah. it's, you're sort of once you're removed already, aren't you? And that was another reason why, you know, I really, it was important to me and still is important to me, all the satchels are made here in the UK mm. because I wanted to see them being made. You know, yeah. I wanted to... I just wanted to feel connected to the product. And, and to me, a satchel is a very British bag. Very British, yes. You know, so it needs to be made here. And mm. I just know that it would have been cheaper, it would have been easier in many ways to have made it overseas. But if they just arrived in the shipping container, like loads and loads of them from, you know, I don't know, anywhere else, it, it just wouldn't have felt the same as mm. as going and just picking them up it was important and and that connection to what we do is important yeah. so it's um and I just love that my mum was there you know right through every step of the way and and she'd be in dispatch sometimes and she'd say I've got to get these bags to these people you know I've got to get these bags she'd, <laughs> she'd have the sort of we'd be standing in the post office we were the nightmare people because we would be having parcels armfuls of parcels <laughs> going all over the world and um we were the people you didn't want to stand behind. <laughs> you know, oh yeah. no, it's those people from the Cambridge no, Satchel Company again. You've got so many. Uh, oh, I've got to work out the postage. I and know, and all <laughs> the sizes are different. Yes. and they're going to different places, and yeah. But actually, is there's quite a nice serendipity when you're talking about the way that you came up with the the name of the company and the logo, and actually the fact that it is quite sort of um, sort of practical really suits a satchel, doesn't it? You don't really want it to be something where you can't imagine what it is or where it's from. Yeah. And yeah. I think it all it actually all ties in really nicely. What what was it is it true that you it's because you couldn't find satchels for your kids then? Yeah, that, that's it, it is. Yeah. And and that's why it sprung to mind when I was trying to think of my list of ten. Mm. Um because I just got so sick of of going to somewhere. I think it was, you know, you'd go to some some sports place and get some school bag and then it would be nylon-y so yeah. it would get dirty and then you can't clean it and it look, looks a bit grubby or it would have some logo on it that they liked at the time and then they don't like six months later and the zip is really really cheap so it breaks That's really it breaks, quickly yeah. um, or, or then it's some plasticky way that they attach the strap on and then it's sort of like you can you can see the cracks going across and then it sort of starts just falling and then the strap's gone yeah um and at the end, you're just saying, I've just had enough of this. Yeah. I don't want to keep buying these rubbish bags. And and I was thinking back to when I was in school, I had a satchel and it never gave me any cause for concern. It took me all the way through. Yeah. Looked better at the end than at the beginning. That's what I was going to say, the, the, the thing about those 
as other bags is that yeah. they they start their life at their best and then they get worse. Whereas with a satchel, the more you use it, the yeah. softer it gets, the more the, the it, it, worn in is part yeah. of its charm, isn't it? It is. It is very much part of its charm. And, um, and I just thought, this isn't right. And I was so shocked when I was looking for, you know, for satchels, family and max. I was so stunned that you couldn't get them anywhere. Mm. Um, so it was, it was that irritation made it like forefront in my mind yeah well that's i think the necessity is mother of invention right you're looking for something and, and what did your kids think when you started sitting down at the table and working out what to you you know the, the business were they totally aware at the beginning of like you're going yeah, to start I, these schools I, and, and i think that's the you know your children pick up on the attitudes in the house mm. and um my mum is just sort of like your mother's starting a business it's going to pay for you to go to a good school it's just like black and white. That's what she's doing. Okay, great. You know? And um, and I think if you've got somebody in your corner with that kind of sort of real belief in you, yes, that's what you'll need because the minute you go out and you go to the yard and, and somebody says, oh, I, I hear you're going to start a business, you're going to sell satchels, well... If it had been a good idea, somebody else would have done it by now. Yeah, yeah, it's very easy to be de- demotivated, isn't it? So easy. And so many people have got an opinion when it's new. And yeah, and it's just because they haven't done it. Mm. You know, it's just because they are choosing not to do that. Yeah. And, and so it's like, well, it, it, if it was so easy, somebody else would have done it. If it was a good idea, somebody else would have done it. And you hear it so many times. Yes. You really need that person who is just going to come up and say, she she doesn't know what she's talking about. Yeah, you know you're you're onto something here, and it's so exciting. As soon as we get home, we'll do the reading, magic key, get yeah. it done, and then um, uh, take some more photos of the bags. It'll be so exciting, and just getting everybody involved. Yeah, I think that's the other thing. Getting Emily and Max were so involved. You know, from the first photo shoot, you know, of picking them up from school, and I had. Um, six satchels at that point that was like stock and I didn't know there were you know the difference between stock and props and there they were we'll take some at the back of Kings and then we'll go to the orchard tea room and then we'll do some more and and at some point one of them fell over and their socks were dirty and you just think just pressing on (laughs) just pressing on pushing on but it, it felt like the family sorting out their problem you mean the kids too yeah mm-hmm. everybody was in it you know it's like oh, did we sell any today how yeah. is it going do you want me to do fedex labels you know and and they were always really really helpful and i remember even when they were little i'd just say to them it's really important to know how many you have of each size who's going to help me count you know and all these various stock counts would mm. go on and um, the stock locations were sort of like the spare room wardrobe, <laughs> yeah. you know, the boxes under the stairs and all this kind of thing. But getting everybody involved, it doesn't have to be a thing that you feel takes you out of the family. And I think that's different to a lot of work things yes. where they can't be part of what you're doing. Absolutely, yeah. If you ask um, most people, people what their parents were doing in their workplace when they were age six or eight they won't really be able to tell you what their working day looked like or you know imagine that environment or what kind of issues they were having or the how it would even begin the inception of it so I think your children must actually have real memories of that time real memories Mm. of it you know real memories of um I I remember one of the first 
shops that we were selling to was Urban Outfitters in the States. It wasn't even Urban Outfitters here. And they phoned and they just... That's the great thing about the internet. It, you, you can't really tell the size of company you're dealing with, although my misaligned buttons should have given them a bit of a clue, yeah. I think. But um, they said, do you have any photos of famous of celebrities wearing your bags and, and all that? And this was in the early, early days. No, because I did have a photo of you but it, it was, like, really disrespectful to use it. So That so would not thought, have impressed Urban Outfitters USA anywhere, I don't think they would like, <laughs> Well, it like, was, we've got our own Sophie Osbeto, and, so, no, and she's a plumber. Yeah, she's a plumber. And she can make muffins. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so I thought, I, I need celebrities. I don't have celebrity shots. It's not like we had some huge budget to go and do gifting or anything like that. We just mm. didn't. But I did have this little app um, that I downloaded. It's something like... 15 pounds maybe because I didn't have Photoshop but I had to do all of the photos for the website mm. and it was this little app it was called Pixelmator and it did everything Photoshop would do and um did you so Photoshop your satchels onto celebrities I yes I did <laughs> that's brilliant 100% here's P but Diddy wearing a Cambridge satchel yeah, oh, no. no I was cleverer than that because I thought <laughs> I don't want to get into trouble so the way to get around this is to make it obvious that they're photoshopped on. Oh, uh, that's clever. And then I'm not going to get into trouble. So I sent them... Obvious, obvious, or obvious if someone's really looking to know about it? You mean, like, which you're still hoping to, that they would look at well, it quickly? Well, my first one was <laughs> I had King Kong on top of the Empire State Building with a red 14-inch okay. satchel on. Got it, Which Got it. I think looked good he on He would it. have actually really liked it in real I life. I think it looked good. The scale was questionable. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I had, I had him. Then I did Elvis Presley from the Jailhouse Rocks <laughs> scene because the colours were working for me. Yeah. I put, a, I put a bag on him. And then I thought, even if people are sad and depressed, a good bag makes them feel happier. Mm. And so I put um, a little bag on that painting, you know, the munch, the screen. Yeah. It's like, ah. And I sort of put a little bag <laughs> on, on it. And I sent those those three off. And um, they really, they really, really liked them. And they said, you know, these are the most memorable celebrity That's shots we've ever had. And I think that is something. Don't think that because you don't have the budget, you you can't say, yes, I do. You know, because... There's usually a way around it that might yeah. be a little unconventional, um, but it's going to make you more memorable anyway because yeah. you, you, you're not going to out-budget Michael Kors on the, you yeah. know, on the gifting front or the, yeah. the celebrity placement front. So do something that actually makes them laugh and, and says a bit about your, your brand. And yeah. makes you better with Pixelmator. Yeah. No, I, I think that's an amazing way to think. And I suppose that's part of the sort of practical side that you have to have a little bit of sort of problem solving and thinking there's got to be a way around this yeah and you know in keeping a character in in the dialogue and every aspect all the sort of satellites that come off your business so that it always has at the heart of it the ethos of what you're doing uh, you're just trying to get something done mm. you know that's all you're trying to do and I think that um the the urban one was hard then because they wanted them in these big boxes with that nylon banding tape around with the metal sort of closures on. Yes. And, and I didn't know how to do that. So I asked um, Alec, who is manufacturing the satchels up in Hull, and he said, oh, I'll send you the machine. I've mm. got 
you know, a few of these machines. They're just like a handheld thing. You can get it from eBay or something. But he sent me one of these machines and some metal clasps and some nylon banding. And I looked at it, didn't have the first clue what to do with this machine. But then it's like, thank you, YouTube. Because on YouTube, there it is. And somebody's doing it and I'm sort of following it along on my YouTube thing and and Urban got their order and the, the bands were on there and felt really, really good about it. And I think that that is, we're so lucky yeah. right now because it's like when your washing machine doesn't drain, it's F- F22 error. You go to YouTube and you give it a go. I literally did that the other day with my washing machine. I managed to fix it with something on YouTube. Yeah. And I felt great. I feel great. Otherwise, I would have just got a plumber out. And I know. And you pay loads and call actually, out fee, and he would have been laughing. And, and yeah, me, and they say something, something really condescending, like "Don't worry, love, I'm here." Mm, you know, mm. you just don't need it. No, nope, don't need so, it. So um, YouTube has—it's a game changer. It is. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, so with, I know you're not going to talk about the other ten ideas you had about there before the satchel, but is is starting business is something you've done lots and lots. what was sort of happening pre Cambridge Satchel with you? Were you had yeah, you been working no. since your children were small? Had, so. Um, I had, um, I went to Cambridge, did natural sciences when, um, when I was 17. I, I was like, obsessed with going to Cambridge, obsessed. And um, did that, but then my, my dad was very, very ill. And when I graduated, I needed to, to go home and sort of be helpful. So I went back to Swansea and um, I thought, I, I, I need a decent job you know I need a, a good job and I, I remember saying to my mum I'm going to get a job today and, and going in and I went to lawyers and accountants um, and I ended up being offered a job by Deloitte because I sat on their stairs and I wouldn't go away <laughs> and, and in the end I was offered I was offered a job and I trained with Deloitte and that was an excellent grounding it really was because it meant that suddenly numbers you know, cash flows and, and tax and things like that were fine because I'd, I'd done it and I, I qualified as an accountant. Um, that must be a pretty helpful skill to have if you're setting It's a, a fantastic skill to have. It's a fantastic skill to have. It's a good skill to have full stop, actually, accountancy, I would imagine. It's a really, really... Just yeah. confidence around numbers. And, and going around as an auditor, I mean, at times was quite boring, but... Um, there were times as well, I was part of a, a small practice in South Wales, so the the places I'd go out to audit were small businesses. Mm. And that was really interesting because yeah. I could see issues they were having and problems they were having and yeah. how cash is king and cash flow is yes. king. And, yes. you know, all of that kind of, and what a stock take is and why you need to know exactly how much of everything you have. And and so that was a really, it was a, a brilliant base. And... I actually moved with Deloitte over to Chicago and lived um, over there for five five years. Oh, wow, I didn't realise that. Um, but then when my dad got really ill, moved back and um, started up the fundraising office, the development office in my college in Cambridge, which, I mean, I had an accounting background, but... And I think... This is all pre-babies, all this? Pre-babies. Mm. And, and so that was really, really good because... They gave me the the sort of the the, the latitude to just I, I needed to raise money for for the college and 
And raising money, you can just go around and ask people to give donations and all this and support their college, which, mm. you know, it's got a, a really lovely base of people that went there. But it also meant I got the chance to do some limited edition prints and and raise money in more of a kind of entrepreneurial way. And then um, I have a real love of the gargoyles on the front of the college. And... So we did some garden ornaments and some bookends based on on the gargoyles as another way of of making money. And so that was, I think that was really helpful, Mm. going through that, going through those processes was helpful. Yeah. Um, But then when I found I was expecting Emily, uh, I took a a career break. I I was a stay-at-home mum for, in the end, eight years. Oh, right. And so so all the way up to actually the Cambridge Satchel? Yeah, up until Cambridge Satchel. And um, I, I sort of think that sometimes a lot of women are very nervous of taking a break. They think they lose their career momentum and they can't do. And it, for me, that definitely wasn't the case. Mm. You know, it, it really wasn't the case. And I think it, you're very right that a lot of people are really frightened of that. Definitely. They're really frightened of it because mm. there's this... I suppose if you're on a corporate ladder and you want to stay in that particular place on that ladder, then that may be different. Mm. But but if you're going to take time out and then I, I didn't really want to go back um, into accountancy because I, I loved taking them to school. Mm. I loved picking them up from school. Um, and I just couldn't see how some of the things that meant the most to me, being there and taking them on little day trips or Mm. if they're ill, you know, if they're ill, I didn't want them to feel like a nuisance because I'm supposed to go to work, you're an inconvenience, you're ill, what am I supposed to do with you? You've been sick, ah, it's another 24 hours, you can't go in. That's really, really stressful. So I just thought if there was any way at all I could solve this school fee problem Mm. and do it in a way that fitted around having a six-year-old and an eight-year-old, mm. then that would be the dream. And I think that once you recognise that that's the dream, you you accept all of the challenges and the things that are a lot less comfortable than having a regular paycheck and pension and health insurance and all these things yeah. that, that you just don't have when you first start out yourself. So do you think you always thought you would ultimately go back into some kind of business, even if it hadn't been born out of needing these school fees? I remember being a little bit devastated when um, I realised that that my children were reaching that age when other children were more interesting (laughs) than me. (laughs) And so they wanted to see their friends and spend more time and and then there's sleepovers and and as they grow up. The stay-at-home mum part for me was never that I wanted to be home cooking, cleaning and washing up. But mm. but as they were growing up, I could see that the fun stuff, the reason I was staying at home, the really fantastic bits were getting less and less. And, and it was getting more about taking care of the house and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And I just didn't... I, I really started noticing as well that they'd come back from school and every day they had learned something. Mm. You know, they were developing, they were moving forward and they were learning things and they were doing things and they were excited about things, whereas 
I, at that stage, wasn't really learning things. I, I wasn't doing things. I wasn't developing things. I was, I was still as, you know, TED Talks weren't a big thing then. So mm. I'd have probably been obsessed with TED Talks <laughs> probably at that stage. But it, it just was becoming more apparent to me that I wanted to be part of something in the world. I wanted to yeah. to be in the world and not just watch the world. You know, I didn't yeah. I didn't want to just watch people do things on TV and read about people doing things in the newspaper and not be doing stuff myself. Yeah. And so I I think that that's what Cambridge Satchel has managed to do. Yeah. You know, and, and and then some. Then some. Yeah. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue nile.com you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door go to blue nile.com and use promo code listen to get 50 dollars off your purchase of 500 dollars or more that's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You know, you're clearly someone that's quite into your problem-solving and the practicality stuff. So some people, that would be a thing they say well we'd love to send you to that school but we simply can't afford it so we're yeah. going to find a different thing so maybe 
somewhere consciously or subconsciously but seeking out a challenge having this thing of going I'm gonna yeah. yep they're gonna be starting in September and in the meantime I've got 600 pounds on the spreadsheet <laughs> and um, mustn't get run over by a bus but if I do it's okay with the satchel so <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah Alex making them so it's still good yeah yeah exactly something had to sort of give it that shape that that drive because that, that, that is definitely not the way everybody's mind would work in a similar And I think that I've learned that the hard way because I, um, it was easy in the, in the beginning when it was just me and my mum and then, you know, there was Lottie, this, uh, a, a girl, it was her first job and she was just out of school. And um, before I started hiring a team and before I started hiring a lot of people... Mm. I didn't realise what a poor communicator I can be. You know, I, I, I thought that things were so obvious because everybody must think the same way. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, so I wouldn't bother explaining them because it was so obvious everybody would think the same way. And then gradually, you know, people would come back and say, here it is, this is what, what we've done. And I'd look at it and think, why would you do that? You know, why, why would you obviously not do that? Mm. And so that's, that's been a learning and it's been something that I've tried to, to get better at. But, you know, with, with um, I don't know, limited success, I think, sometimes. And I'm in the process at the moment, and this is 12 years on, that I'm in the process of we've just had a, another investment and so the company is, is growing. And because I'm aware of the importance of a culture within a company and the feel of a company, mm, yeah. that um, we were at this, this meeting with the investors who, who have loads of experience and they said, Don, we need a brand Bible. Uh, Julie, you can do that. And, and my instinct is always to say, you know, with confidence, yes, I can. You know, yes, I am absolutely. That is what I'm doing. Uh, and I, I made a note at the side and said, "Google brand Bible," <laughs> and then do one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and um, and I think that th that that's kind of the approach that you've always got to take. Yeah. You know, if your gut says this is a good thing, you say yes, and then you sort of work out how to do it afterwards. Mm. Yes, um, yeah. I, I I quite like being like that myself. Actually. Yeah, you there's have always to a do way. That. You have to. Yeah, there's always a way. Yeah. You know, it's nobody's asking me to do brain surgery on them this afternoon because you know I might probably be um, best advised to say no to that. Mm, but yeah, yeah. but some of the other things, if it's just getting a bag sent to Japan, I mean that can't be hard, can no. it? Because the post office knows how to do it. I've just got to wrap it. But in the days when customers would find the website and loads of people, particularly in Sweden, were were buying them, it was interesting because I look back. And I never thought of that as exporting. Right, yeah. Just be, because it was just these just people the, live in Sweden. Yeah, they just happen to be bag. where you're sending so it. So I'd, I'd take yeah. it to the post office and, yeah, and they'd send it, it to Sweden and it costs more than if you were sending it to Brighton. You know, but I didn't think, oh, hang on, this is exporting. I haven't done a course on exporting. And I think that can be a real pitfall for people. Oh, yeah, I bet there's a few pitfalls that can... And actually, talking about the, the happy ending to having your £600 at the beginning of summer holidays is that did you manage to get all the school fee money? By the yes, and they're through, so so they're both out of school, out the other end. So was know, it a really? How, how did that summer go for you then? That first summer with it's the... really hard. I mean, the first summer's really hard because 
trying to get yourself noticed is very, very difficult. You know, um, it, it, I, I love learning new things and thank goodness for that. And thank goodness for the internet because, yes, it's one thing to know you're going to have satchels, but then you've got to find a manufacturer for them. And when nobody is selling satchels in the UK, that's really, really hard. So this, was this all complete learning curve for you? Was this all, was it all new information? Everything. 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 Mm. Um, and so trying to find um, a manufacturer driving around and... And in my head, it sort of goes with the theory of everybody knows what I know and thinks the same way. You know, I would mm. stand in a manufacturer and say, a satchel... And they'd look, you know, sort of blank. And, mm. and I say, and I think, why are they being awkward? Mm -hmm. you know, it's, a, it's a satchel. It's a school satchel. That's all it is. And so then I came back and said to my mum, they're being really tricky about this. You know, yeah. all of a sudden there's like pouches on the side and zips and all these kind of things. I said, they're just making out they don't know what I'm talking about. So I'm going to build one. That's what I'm doing, which I now know, you know, it's a prototype. But it was out <laughs> of two cereal boxes. That's really? did it. <laughs> It's like two cereal boxes, like a giant Rice Krispies or something, and then mm -hmm. a smaller Crave or something, and sticking it together, putting the brown paper on, yeah, on the outside, getting black Sharpie, drawing the buckles on. Perfect. Boom. It's perfect. <laughs> and, and then I, you know, I would feel a little more prepared for, for my manufacturer's meeting, school satchel. Well, it's much easier to it's show people, of, isn't it, than to describe what it, is. it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, you know, it it is this this thing, and then pricing. How do you know yeah. how to charge? And is there a, an accepted amount you're supposed to make? Is there a markup? Is there a percentage? You know, how are you supposed to even yeah. know that? And so I think everything, everything is a learning curve. Where were you getting this information? Was this all the internet? Getting internet. Google, the golden internet. I, the, yeah, I remember um, googling what is a press release and and then you know reading and then said how do you write one and I read it what I wasn't as aware of then that I am now is look at the date of the thing that you're reading oh yeah of course <laughs> so I wrote this press release and I was pretty pleased with myself and it said press releases always end with three hashtags okay you know so three hashtags at the end and then you put end of release in caps and I thought nailed it send it off and um somebody phoned me and they were just laughing I think it was somebody from the Daily Mail and they were oh. laughing and they said haven't seen one like this for a good like 30 years oh <laughs> 40 years that's wow. how it used to be done you've gone on the <laughs> internet and found something for 40 years ago I'm saying, yeah this is how you this is <laughs> this is how they used to write a press release probably when <laughs> when people were just printing in sort of like 1920 or something well, but it's fine could it's have done good. that deliberately it's, it's fine exactly it's a it, was, it, it, it got me noticed <laughs> it, uh, yeah I didn't have a, the budget for a, a PR agency so it was just having to get it done well I guess as well it helps that the thing you're creating is something that's actually a very classic thing a satchel it's not like yeah, you're doing goodness. something incredibly modern yeah, can you imagine done this sort of high tech like, 1950s yeah, 1950s <laughs> yeah. press release exactly so yeah. it could, could have been all part of this sort of it's I'm taking charm. you back to yesteryear I am I'm taking it right back <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm being authentic exactly exactly and how did your kids react to suddenly seeing their mum who'd previously not really been you know just been completely available to them and been what, you know, being at home with them all the time, suddenly doing all this work and presumably being under quite a lot of stress with all of it? 
I th- um, or do you not remember but it that they way? were because um, six is still pretty little isn't yeah, it they it's are. not like that yeah yeah but we would still do we would still do loads of stuff with the kids but it just meant that when they went to bed right. I would really hit it hard mm-hmm. um and that's sort of the way because for the website I remember I had to I found this free um learn how to code thing on the, the I think it was on the Microsoft site and I did that over three nights after they'd gone to bed but you know very often I'd be working um from sort of like eight in in the evening till three in the morning really yeah oh wow and, and that's why for me it was important I was doing this for the kids right because nothing else would have made me there's no car in the world that would have made me work with the kind of like determination and give me the stamina I needed to do that but when it was for Emily and Max and the school it's like just keep going because this is the this is the only way out of your situation yeah you know and and this is what's going to make things better for them so once you had the school fees and things was chugging along because the thing I've what's always really impressed me about your company is it's constantly evolved because you didn't just say well we've made a classic satchel and you can buy it in three sizes and yeah. there you go there's always new designs coming out and new collaborations and gorgeous color palettes and all these things if you if you've got the original thing done of the school fees what's the I think the thing growing? is then what I didn't realize is how attached I would get not only to the business but to the people working in the business well, actually, you did describe it as an extra child, so I guess it's yeah. like, a pretty and, good and, draw. And so we have, like, 150 people, and that's 150 mortgages every month yeah, I yeah. sort of feel responsible for. That's yeah. 150 Christmases I feel responsible for. Mm. And I've had people that have worked for me now for for 10 years. We've seen our children grow up together. Mm. We've, you know, we've seen them. And it's that stability, you know, for... For people and and that kind of responsibility was a, a real big driver for me that I wasn't going to just give up and go under because I ticked my box. Mm, yes. mm. These these people had stood by me at some extraordinarily difficult times. Yeah, um, and so it, it needs to be fought for. I and yeah. it, you remember in in the relatively early days. One of my manufacturers was stealing the leather. Yeah, I do remember and, that. And making rip-off copycat bags of it. And um, it was just after we had been noticed um, at New York Fashion Week because some of the bloggers had worn the fluorescent bags. And, oh, yeah, the fluorescent Yeah, the fluorescent bags. And, and they'd been noticed because the lights had gone down in the shows and the, the flash photography picked up all these fluorescent bags in the audience and New York Times had, you know, his guerrilla takeover of New York Fashion Week. <laughs> and then all of a sudden... King Kong. I know. It's all about primates. And, and then Bloomingdale's and, and um, I think it was Saks came over and wanted to sell the bags there mm. and... And suddenly on the website, I had a, at that stage, it was 16,000 bags on backlog. And I had four small UK manufacturers and each one could make a maximum of 150 bags a week. Oh, well, so how, what did you do? How did you move forward And, and so then I, I found a, a manufacturer who was a, a, a bigger, bigger manufacturer and who wanted to scale because 
some of these, the other ones, they didn't want to scale. They, they had as much work as they wanted and complete respect to them. It goes back to when people know what they want their business to be mm. and they're not drawn into the, you know, sudden expansion or whatever. That's what they wanted it to be. And, um, but I found this, this, this one that was in sort of financial difficulties and, and had the, the potential to, to really really scale this and, and to fill this demand but um equally they they were not the kind of people that I'd been lucky enough to come across early on and I think at the at the library here um it's one of the very first things I say to people starting up is just always get a manufacturing agreement in place. You know, you you have got to protect your ideas. You've got to protect what you do. Because so what, do? what is a manufacturing for someone like me doesn't really know that. What does that mean? It sort of sets out the way you're going to work with your manufacturer, so okay. that you know your designs are your designs. That they can't just take those designs got and it. sell them sort of independently. That um, yeah, that makes total sense actually. Because once you've told them, once you've given them the cereal box and you, how it's going to exactly. be, exactly. You know the genius of the cereal exactly. box prototype. They've got to know uh, that they the can't just start oyster. making that for someone else that comes along. Oh, I see you make them for her. Can you please make some for exactly. us as well? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and and. I had been incredibly fortunate. Those first four that I worked with, it had all been done on a handshake and they were really good, decent people mm. and, and I would trust them with anything. Um, the one that was going to scale was a different kind of person. Mm. And, and I think when you present someone with a manufacturing agreement, it, it will show you if there's any hesitancy on their part to sign that, that maybe this isn't the person you want to be doing your manufacturing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, 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 and, um, but I, I, didn't, I didn't know about that. Anyway, so I, I get a call and um, lovely Sasha, um, Liberty London girl, had called and said, I've just seen, been sent a bag. It looks exactly like yours, but it's got this different name on it. Have you changed your name? I said, no, I haven't changed my name. She said, I'm pretty sure it's the same bag. And and then two nights later, I got a call from someone who was actually working in that factory. And he said, are you the lady that comes down with the boxer dog? Because I, I would always take my dog down and, and be walking through the factory and see how, how it was going in the orders. Because it was scary having that many people waiting for bags. And yeah. I said, yes, yes. Um, and he, he was funny because he said, um, oh, um, and Rupert, Rupert's the name of the dog, isn't it? He didn't remember my name at all, just saying. <laughs> it was Rupert. It was Rupert's the name of the And I said, yes, I'm definitely the woman who comes with the dog called Rupert. Yeah, that yeah. is me. And he said, um, well, I can't sleep because we're, we're taking your stuff and we're making these copy Aww. bags. And, and, you know, it, it just felt like the world was crashing in because on one hand I was feeling like as long as I keep communicating with these customers that we're trying to fill their order and they will get what they want then we'll get there on the other hand suddenly I thought but how can I work with the manufacturer who is my only hope at this stage of filling these orders mm. and yet now I know that he's not a person I can trust yeah, you know yeah. That's really hard. And as if it wasn't stressful enough, we were making bags for Comme des Garçons Paris Fashion Week show that were due in like a month's time. Mm -hmm. And um, so in the morning I had to phone Comme and, and say, 
um, there's there's been this issue, but you will still have your bags, but they're not coming from that manufacturer. Because in my head, I just tried to reconcile it. And, and I thought, I know myself and I can't work with somebody that I know is doing this. Yeah, yeah. I, no. I just can't do it. Yeah. And I remember... Um, thinking, well, I, I've got to, I'll drop the children at school mm-hmm. and then I'm going to have to drive to this factory and somehow take out all the leather and raw materials that's down there and cancel all the orders and get out, get my stuff out. And and I, I thought, uh, um, there's probably a lot of leather down there because we'd had to, to buy in a lot. So I phoned the, the person I bought the leather off and said, I'm going to need you to help me get all the leather out. And he said, and where are we taking it? And I said, I'll give you that address when we meet down there. And I was thinking, I have no idea. <laughs> Literally no idea. And and went down and drove down and went in. And it was just, it was totally bewildering to think that somebody that I had seen every week yeah. and had these meetings with, I had no idea this was going on yeah. in, in the background. And um, it, it was a really, really, it was a difficult one. And, and I said, I know what you're doing, you know, and I know you're doing this. And and he decided to sort of like just brazen it out. And he said, yes, um, but you've got so many people waiting. I'm your biggest manufacturer. You've got really no choice. Oh. And he said, um, you, you've got to suck it up. And I didn't appreciate that either. No, I don't appreciate I didn't that like it. from here. No. No. Um, and I was sort of, you know, I was already cross going in. This is just winding me up a bit more. And and then he did the worst worst possible thing, and he said, um, "And anyway, you're just a stupid woman. You don't know about manufacturing, so you've got no choice." And he just walked out. Wow. And I thought, oh, you know. I'm not actually stupid. You know, I did go to Cambridge at 17, so that's not true anyway. <laughs> but I don't know how to manufacture these bags. And then I just remember feeling like, but these people do. Yeah. You know, these people do. Um, and if he would do that to his best customer, because he was actually making more per bag than I was making on every single bag, but it wasn't clearly enough. Um, and so I thought, I'm just going to to appeal to... To them and I, I said you know I'm really sorry I can't give another order here because you know you know that this is you know what's going on yeah and I said but um so I'm just guessing this is not a good person and a nice place to work uh but if if you want to work for me then you can always just send me an email um and and let me know and because I'm I've got a factory and I'm making these myself. And I left and I remember driving home and being on the A14, going to pick Emily and Max up from school and thinking, did I really say, <laughs> because I've got a factory and I'm going to make these myself. And I went back and, you know, we had dinner and everything. And, and I remember saying to my mum, oh, we've got to start a factory. <laughs> um... And pretty soon, because we've we've uh, now just lost our big manufacturer. Wow! <laughs> and I think that was the that was the most stressful 
point. I was going to ask you about that. So is that, that how, how soon into your business was that? That was two and a half years in. Oh, so still pretty, pretty early on, really. Early days. Just, just as you think you've cracked it, you know, you've yeah, been noticed, you know, you know, and then you get something massive like that. Yeah. But, but that's why I do say to people, you know, protect your ideas, protect yes. your IP. And that's why I, I just, I love being part of, of this place, you know, the Business and IP Centre, because they allow people to do that free of charge because you don't have budget for that in the early days. Exactly, yeah. Um, but it's so important. And that's, that's a hole I fell into. Yeah. So others behind me don't need to fall into the same hole. And so when, when you're doing all this and it's, you know, so new, but did the, the sort of entrepreneur hats always sit quite happily in your head or did you sometimes feel a bit like... I didn't Maybe feel like I should just uh, uh, stop. I don't really, you know, I'm still learning. Or I mean, is no, it because then it? I was really angry. Yeah, I was really angry because this person who totally didn't deserve it was trying to take my business from me. But did you always feel I mean, all the situations from the beginning that you could? There was something in you where you thought, I think I'm just going to be able to get on with this. Actually, well, just because there wasn't a choice, mm. you know, there wasn't a choice. I was sending, you know, the the children were going to a nice school. They weren't going to be pulled out after two terms. Mm. You know, there, there isn't a choice. Mm. So it'll be fine. It's a challenge. It'll be fine. And the challenges, luckily, don't all come at once. Um, and so as long as you do just focus on the one that's just left closest to your face... Okay, yeah, yeah. ...then you'll be fine I mm. think the the problem is if if you see that one and then you start overthinking it and imagining all the things that could happen if this went wrong or all the other problems all the other things you don't know about yeah then it would become totally overwhelming but yeah. but if you can just focus it right down to this is actually my issue right now and and it was a, a breaking it down so it was um if if I'm going to have a factory, <laughs> I probably should have a building. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I need to look on Rightmove, you know, um, because that's how people find things. Yeah. Uh, and on Rightmove, hopefully there's a thing that says commercial, and there was, and so that was good. And and so I, I sort of put in the postcode of the evil manufacturer and um, <laughs> because I needed to, to be able to, if these people did contact me then... I needed to be able to say, yes, you can still use the yeah. bus to get to, to work or whatever. I couldn't yeah. say, well, actually, we're going to be in Sheffield or something. Yeah, you know, yeah, we, yeah. It, we just couldn't do it. Um, but, but the hard thing is because the master plan hadn't included starting a factory, yes. I didn't have um, a fund to set up a factory. You know, it wasn't... Yeah. I was reading at that time of, of the new Mulberry factory and it was just I was so envious. It was like it'll open in 18 months to two years' time and we're getting this European grant and we've got this fund. And and it was being so well th thought through and they said, we'll be working on the footprint of the factory and all this. And, and I was thinking, I just need a factory really, really quickly because these people are getting cross. And the only way mm. I can do this is is by doing it fast and doing things cheaply. So it's going to have to be the... The, I'm going. I, I'm going to need to see factories tomorrow, and I'm going to have to 
have really cheap places that I'm looking at. Yeah, yeah, just and, get it done. And, and, and just get it done. And by the end of the day, I need to have accepted one. I need to have made it an offer on one. And these were the worst places in the world. That I mean, I, I trudged around. And it was down to two. And um, they, they had sort of different different sort of pros and cons but they were sort of equally okay um and so I thought I need some kind of objective measure to make the decision <laughs> between these two and so I chose the one with the fewest rat traps <laughs> that's actually pretty strong criteria I think as I would go with that exactly. less yeah. less pests yeah. is fashion good. is glamour yeah, yeah exactly so we'll go with the fewest rat traps yeah. that's the one that I'm going with mm. unfortunately that was also the one with the um, with the very curved frontage to the building, which did fall off two months after we took it on, but you know, all good in yeah. the end. Yeah. And and now we have an amazing factory run by someone who does actually know what he's doing. And um, and that factory, Prince Charles was there with with the Duchess of Cornwall last week, and we've won sort of like British Manufacturer of the Year and, and we were in the same group as McLaren and, and honestly if I was McLaren I would be so cheesed off but they were so classy and they invited me down and told McLaren I was looking at us and, and this was sort of pre our factory being as brilliant as it is now and yeah. I was looking around and thinking oh my gosh I really must have bigged up our manufacturing <laughs> because they are like heads and shoulders above us but you know we 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 got there, but yeah. it was it was a tough time. And are you, you know, astounded by how much you've managed to achieve sort of post? Because a lot of people I've been talking to might have been doing something, and then they have their kids, and then they sort of, their life has to sort of shape like this around what they're previously doing. But for you, this is all the stuff you've been doing is all out of necessity of something you were doing for yeah. them. So. You know, how, how does that, when you think about it like that, like the idea of if I spoke to you before you'd had any kids, so what would you think of all that's gone by? I, I, I didn't, you know, before that, I didn't know what your your kids can make you so much better than you are. You know, they they can drive you to to be so much better than you ever knew you could be. Mm. You know, they can, they, they just give you that willpower to keep going at three in, in the morning and think, yes, I can get through this, I can do this because this is important and, and this means something. And I think that before they came along, I could never have pictured some of the brave choices that I've had to make, but I didn't um, know how how powerful the drive was, mm. you know, and, and it'll be different for different people. But, but for me, it was it was just to make things really nice for them. Yeah. Um, and and I think it's been good for them sort of witnessing this, but but for them, it a lot of things seem ordinary to them that, that wouldn't have seemed ordinary to me. You know, when I was yeah. growing yeah. up in South Wales, I remember going into Smith's and there'd be glossy magazines on, on the shelves in, in the magazine sort of section in Smith's in Swansea, and I'd think, oh my gosh, that is another world. You know, mm. that's, a, that's just an untouchable another world. Whereas Emily and Max will look at things, and, and the magazines that would have seemed 
most out of reach to me, like, you know, the, the Vogue and the yeah. Harpers and all. They look at that and they think, oh, yes, I remember, um, you know, the mum was in that and she was featured in that and, oh, Vanity Fair came to our house and, and yeah. did that. And it's just so different from them. And, and for them, it just seems so, so normal, some of the things that they've, they've seen me do and, and, and be lucky enough to take part in. Whereas uh, I, I just look back on it and think, wow, that was just in- incredible. Mm, definitely. Uh, and you've talked about your mum a lot. Did your mum work when you were growing up? No. And um, she you had was... a working father, your dad? Yeah. yeah. And, and um, <laughs> my mum was really funny because I remember when we, we made Cambridge Satchel into sort of like a, a limited company... And I made her, she was the obvious other director of this company. Yeah. And I, I gave her business cards at Christmas, this box of cards. And she took the cards out and, and she said, um, well, it was a, a long time coming, but I think I've got a career. Ah. <laughs> it, just it sounds like she's been intrinsic so, right from the get-go, actually. Yeah, yeah she's, completely. She's had a very important job for a long time. I know, uh, a, a very important job. But it's, um, it, it's, it's just another time. You know, my dad would never have allowed my mother to work. That He would have seen that as a oh. real affront. You know, he would have failed as, as a husband and a a man I think and so he was really adamant she couldn't and so she was stuck doing the boring things uh, and she could have done so much more um, but at least you know through this she's had the chance to to see and, and be part of some really exciting stuff. Yeah absolutely I, mean, I, was, I was thinking when you were talking about you know the you know we've talked a lot about the pressure of the school fees in that summer and the 600 pounds but from sort of listening to you I wonder if maybe you it seems to come so naturally to you the sort of problem solving and those moonshots that you talked about the thing about succeeding is that it's not just about having the idea it's that if you know you're sat in I don't know a lecture and they're talking about entrepreneurship and making a big business out of a small business you know if they say in this room there's 200 of you and the likelihood is you know we'll be lucky if two of you make a successful company that lasts and you have to have that little thing in you that goes I think that's me. I think I might be that person. Um, I wonder if if you hadn't have had kids and motherhood, if you still would have... I feel like you still would have started a business because it seems to be something that so tessellates with yeah. you and how yeah. you are about things. Maybe I, just I needed think, some, a think, bit of permission or a bit yeah. of a incentive, I don't know. And I think I'm just, you know, I got to the stage of, of being a, a bit too awkward to work for other people you know I think it works really well for everybody that I just do something else you know because it's frustrating to 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 have to work for somebody that you think might not be doing a great job you know Mm. that would be a really tricky one um and or to 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 work in in surroundings that don't let you have a go at trying something a different way or because people are very very comfortable with saying that's not possible because of this or that's not possible because that's the way the industry does something but yeah. when you you come to an industry with no prior knowledge yes exactly that gives you such an advantage it gives you such a, an edge because you don't know that you're supposed to pay guests to come to your party you know you you just don't know it doesn't and and so you come to it especially as 
you know, I I was was doing this after having children and um, in my 40s. So I I had common sense at that stage and and I had enough self-belief to think, you know, when people would say, you've had this investment, now we'll have this great party, um, you need to, to pay all these celebrities to come to your party. I was happy enough to say, I'm not doing that. You know, if they don't want to come to the party, don't come to the party. I mm. thought, if people aren't honestly excited to be part of the opening of your new shop, if they aren't yeah. thinking, I really love this brand, I'm going to be part of this, and I want to be part of this, I, I, I don't really want them there. Yeah. You know, and I think there are so many opportunities where people try to tell you that, oh, you don't do that, you need a branding agency, or you don't yeah. do that, you need a PR agency, or you don't do that. You know, no PR agency I've come across would have come up with that idea of taking the fluorescent bags, lending them to fashion bloggers and seeing how it goes. You know, it was just a sort yeah. of a, why not? This this might work and it might not. Um, and I think that by doing as much for yourself as you possibly can, you're really reducing your, your risk. Mm. Because I would have found it crippling to have had debt hanging over me. Yeah. That would have been uh, a scary thing. I would have hated that. Yeah. Absolutely hated it. So every step of the way, like the first office when we moved out of um, the kitchen, which was, I think, a relief to everybody. But when we moved out of the kitchen <laughs> and thought, I, I was quite risk averse in many ways and thinking, okay, we'll move out of the kitchen. Maybe we can have a garden building, mm. you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, we had 16,000 on back order, so maybe uh, a garden building you've, you've grown out of. Yeah. And, um, and, but I was really clear on minimizing my risk because I didn't want to feel terrified about this debt ob obligation if things went wrong. So, yes, we'll have an office, but I'm not going to sign up to something that has a six-year lease on it, yeah. you know, or... So I was, I was, it was great I was able to find something that was a lot more flexible. And yeah. so you could just give three months' notice and it was, and, and was dog-friendly, so I could take Rupert with me. And it was just getting something that fitted. And I think that in the current challenging climate, um, it's good in many ways because it does challenge the way that things were before. And so you can try a pop-up shop and not have to take something on. Yeah, that's very true. For a, a long lease period because mm. you, you aren't sure it's going to work or that you don't actually need it. Uh, until you've done it mm. yeah and I think actually the internet is also like you were saying when you, you go into something not really knowing all the rules about how those things are normally done I think actually the internet's been really good in a lot of ways for so many different industries about people just thinking a, a, a sort of a freer way of thinking about making yeah. a start in, in, in any sort of business really yeah because um, Paris Fashion Week you know we we went over because that's where the buyers from you know loads of different parts of the world come and but we didn't have budget for a showroom, but we, we took an Airbnb yeah. <laughs> that was really sort of close and it had a bedroom so that we could sleep there as well. And it had Wi-Fi. And we were, we set it up 
in a, in a way that people felt comfortable actually when they came. Yeah, and it turned out the buyers loved it. You know, because they could they could come. We could give them a cup of tea, some British biscuits from Marks and Spencer, or something. Yeah, and it was a bit more of an experience instead of like trudging around the big trade show places. And there was there was one. I think it was IT, and and they came over, and they they was there was a a bunch of people that we didn't speak the language they were speaking, and I mean we didn't have translators, we didn't have <laughs> we had an Airbnb, you know, sort of around the corner, um, but what we did have was Wi-Fi, and that meant we had Google Translate, mm-hmm. and so I would type in hello where are you from and what would you like to see? Yeah. <laughs> sort of, <laughs> and they'd select their language, which was really nice, <laughs> and sort of like auto-detect language, and they'd be typing something in, and we'd go back and forth, and we'd, we'd both laugh as maybe the translation wasn't as yeah, accurate, yeah, and clunky. I'd probably just ask them something completely <laughs> different. But you know what? It got the job done, Yeah, and, and, and that's how we started selling to um, some, some great places in Asia amazing places in Asia but it was it was Google Translate we didn't yeah. have a translator but there's a way of doing it there's a way of getting it done and and you don't have to pay some amazing person who speaks 12 languages because the likelihood is the person who comes through the door is going to speak be one of the 13th, 13th. yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> so yeah no Thank you, Google. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, just a sort of one and last question, really. You've said that the business is like your third child. And in, in what ways is a, a business sort of similar and dissimilar to sort of child raising, really? Do you, do you feel like you're the same sort of person when you're a mother as you are when you're having to raise the company? <laughs> I, yes, because I, I sort of, I am very aware that I adopt the same kind of, like, fierce outrage if Cambridge Satchel is being threatened. Oh, you've got a fierce outrage setting? I've got a fierce outrage Okay, and this is something setting. your children see sometimes? <laughs> not, not usually at all, but, but I do have that same fierce outrage setting in, like, a parent's evening if I oh, think yes. that somebody is, is being overly critical of something. I have that setting. You know, yeah. or, or, or somebody out making some comment about your child or something. It's that fierce outrage setting that, mm. that really can kick in. It's, like, so deeply personal. Sort of protective, isn't it, to the point so of, like... So protective, yeah. you know. Mm. Um, so don't, don't tell me my son isn't good at time management when you've just started this appointment 20 minutes late. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And, and it, it, it is that very deeply personal kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that that's what I feel with, with Cambridge Satchel. You know, that, that, that is something that's, that is, is right. And, and also the kind of excitement that you feel when you see an opportunity that is so good for, for one of your children or so good for Cambridge Satchel that you're really properly genuinely excited and joyful mm. about it yeah you know and it's sort of like this is going to be great for them in that kind of altruistic way that maybe people aren't in a more corporate environment yeah i can completely imagine that that's true that yeah the, ha- the happiness resonates so much more because it's it matters exactly it matters to you you know and and just the the pride that you can feel when 
when you know you get to work with something some some fantastic place an amazing brand like Comme des Garçons or um, Ines de la Fressange in Paris and you mm. think of all the bags they want to work with do a collaboration with they've chosen Cambridge Satchel Company and and that kind of pride you know it's it's almost like a bring to tears pride yeah 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 that's special it's really different from any kind of work experience I've had yeah and I can totally imagine that because it feels yeah the whole thing of it is personal from the get-go it's personal yeah yeah it comes right from the middle of you doesn't it it does yeah you sat there once and wrote it down and had all those ideas so to see it kind of come to fruition like that must be incredibly exciting and rewarding and actually, I did wonder, when you said that you, you started the bags firstly for the school fees, obviously, but also so your kids would use them at school, did they use the satchels when they went to school or did they go and have, like, other bags? <laughs> they they were encouraged. Okay, okay, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Thank you for the school fees, but I'm go- I want that nylon bag. <laughs> yeah. What was really, really lovely, though, is... is um, I remember when, it, when Emily went out and started at... at um, uni and she, she phoned back and she said oh there's these people in the flat and they've heard of Cambridge Satchel and, and this is sort of just like two years ago and they think yeah yeah we do actually ship to 120 different countries now Emily's gone outside Cambridge and and um, and 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 seeing just the roles that that they have found to still be involved you know, in like we named the Sophie bag after you, and and yeah, that's um, exciting. Thank you. Yeah, and and um, Emily was was there, and she was involved from an early stage, and 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 Max, who is totally brilliant at at photography, and an incredible artist, and he's got involved in like product development, and and it, I think, having the chance to be involved in something that's a real thing. Mm. It, it just gives them an idea of of worth as well. Mm, you know, mm. that that this skyline that he did of Cambridge that's appeared on some of our packaging, that's something he did. We didn't get a graphic designer to do yeah. that. He did that. And and Emily then getting involved in some of the photo shoots. It's just a very empowering thing. And so I, I do love having them and, and having my mum really involved. The, the dogs are the problem. They're the ones that always bomb the photo shoots. But, um, yeah, the the family's been great. So they're still all very much involved now, all of them, your mum? Oh, everybody's and, involved. Yeah. Everybody's involved. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they if they get to... They need to understand what's happening with the business to sort of understand why maybe I'm sort of more stressed or more mm. tired or I need them to understand why maybe next week I'm going to need people to really help out at home a bit more because all of this is going on and yeah. and I need them to pull together and and I think it's a it's a real mistake if you don't allow them to feel part of it yeah well do you think it sort of encouraged your closeness with them the fact that they've been through all of this I mean you know you would be close with them no matter what but yeah. it's quite a special bond I, th- thing, I think that? there is and I think that as well they they look at what's been created with with Cambridge Satchel and they know that their mum did this mm. so that they would have these opportunities and chances and that that gives them a sense of just how important they are. And, and I think that that is just such a, 
a real kind of like demonstration that mm. yes, it's going to increase your your closeness no end. Yeah, no, that's powerful. I mean, there's not many people I know that could say that the mum or dad actually started a business with just the sole intention of helping them get a better education. That's that's pretty powerful. I'd imagine quite good for sort of giving them a bit of an emotional guilt trip sometimes as well. Exactly. Like, so, like, yeah. I'm doing so much what for you. What do you mean? Here. What do you mean you're not taking the bin out? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I started a factory for you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I bet they appreciate it no end. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Julie. What an amazing conversation. Thank and really you. inspiring. Well, I think that's the, the best thing. If it just means that somebody out there thinks she did that with £600 um, I'm going to give it a go. Yeah, definitely. Because otherwise it can feel almost a bit, um, not elitist exactly, but just sort of out of your grasp, that there's sort of business over here somewhere and you and your ideas down here. Yeah, because, to... you know, what I didn't come from a rich family. I didn't come with, with a business that somebody was going to pass down to me. And I didn't come with a network. I've got a, the most amazing network now. I didn't have that 10 years ago. But those things can't stop you from doing something. No, not at all. And do you think that the business will be handed down to them? Is that something they've made any noise about at all, your kids? or They do from time to time. Yeah. You know, yeah. Where, when something looks like, it's, it's like really fun. Yeah, yeah, then, it, then it looks really, really attractive. Book. Yeah. Uh, not so much when you're counting rat traps. Yes, exactly. Well, there's the rough with the smooth. Isn't there? <laughs> That's the nature, I'm sure. Well, that's actually parenthood as well as um, businesses, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that was Julie Dean. Wasn't that a great story? How amazing is that? Um, and actually, the story that she told about. Uh, the, the guy that had been secretly um, selling off her designs to another satchel company um, when he shouldn't have been doing that. She actually, when she said to the company, I'm going to set up by myself, who's coming with me? Everybody left and came with her except for two people. That's it. I mean, that is testament to how amazing Julie is, isn't it? What an incredible thing. Um, and how amazing that what started off as a sort of a need to find money and a sort of necessity to pay for the kids' education turned into something that's become so much more than that and so big and so important. Um, anyway, next week I have Thomasina Myers. So she won MasterChef, she set up Oaxaca and she has lots to say about finding yourself after what she calls her wilderness years. And that noise, Richard walking into bedroom and discovering I'm talking to you and slamming a door anyway. <laughs> He's the one that'll have to edit that out. <laughs> anyway, uh, speak to you next week. Can you find me and Tommy talking? Uh, thank you so much again. Lots of love. See you soon. Bye.
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.